welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week 16. I'm Greg Northey, and I'm joined, as always, by Mil Proyer of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. How are you doing today, Milt? Pretty good, Greg. We're having some winter in Alberta today, but apart from that, we're pretty good. Yeah, I hear you guys got some cold, cold temperatures rolling in there. The good grace of fall has left us, and we're apparently going to go through a pretty nasty December by the sounds of the Environment Canada forecast. So We're getting lots of rain where I am, so I guess it's okay that it's not snow, but hopefully it eventually turns to snow. Okay, well, let's dive into week 16, Milt. So one of the railways remains pretty steady. The other one has a bit of a dip. What did you see in week 16 numbers in this report? Yeah, that's exactly right. CN did take a, uh, a bit of a dip from week 15. You know, they were 92% in week 15 and they came in at 87% in week 16. But, you know, frankly, good nonetheless and pretty steady with what we've been seeing from CN for most of this grain year. They had a couple of bad weeks, I think week 14 and, and week two, where they kind of fell off the rails, uh, no pun intended. But apart from that, you know, we've seen pretty consistent mid to high 80s, up in the 90s, and we've seen that pretty much week after week after week. So while they were down in week 16, not a lot, and they were still pretty good and consistent. Doesn't matter if you look at corridors, provinces, which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes, or individual shippers. For the most part, their performance is is even you know, no big swings up and down in any in any particular corridor or for any particular province. So, you know, that's usually a, a good sign that the, the system is running fairly well. CP, unfortunately, um, not so well in week 16. I think you could call it a bit of a reckoning, if you will. You know, they had been in the mid 80s for three straight weeks. But in week 16, they came in uh, with a resounding 71% order fulfillment. And if we go back a little bit on the conversations we've had uh, over the past couple of podcasts, the one thing that we noted for CP was that their demand had dipped quite a bit, you know, through weeks uh, 13, 14, and 15. And that had coincided with improved performance. Now, what we know is that that demand equation was shifting because shippers, you know, whatever their motivations and and I, I continue to think it wasn't to give CP a break to make their performance look better, but, you know, had to be done within the context of managing their pipelines. But they were doing some fairly uh, significant rolling of, of orders that were on the books with CP out into future weeks. And we saw that for three straight weeks. And CP's demand was, as I said, lower than normal in those weeks. And their performance was better. And in week 16, uh, that stopped. You know, shippers held firm on the demand that they had on the books. They were expecting those uh, cars and trains to be delivered. And that didn't happen. Um, You know, and CP was still coming into week 16, carrying 900 orders out of week 15, even though they had, you know, been at 82% or whatever their order fulfillment was in week 15. That's the one thing I think that, that, people need to think about when they look at performance, right? The top line number tells you one thing, but it's not the whole story. And what we saw with CP through that three-week stretch where their performance was better was 
yes, better order fulfillment performance. So they were meeting a higher percentage of demand on time, but their level of actual car spotting went down with the demand. So, you know, they weren't spotting at the 6,000 car level. So they were still carrying, you know, I think if you go back, they were in this mid 700, 650, 900 outstanding orders from week to week. So despite the fact that, you know, they were getting a break, if you will, on the demand levels, their execution and their car spotting was not rising to make up for the shortfall or the backlog that they had. They just kept carrying it from week to week to week. And that bit them in, in week 16. So not only did their order fulfillment performance fall, you know, to 71%, which is, you know, one of the worst weeks that we've seen from them this year, but they come out of week 16 with just under 1,900, that's 1,900 outstanding orders, which now roll into week 17, which we're in the process of measuring this week. So when you put all of that together, you know, on its face, CP has an effective demand of 9,000 cars in week 17, which is ridiculously high. It's never going to happen and it will come down. The question is, how much will it come down? Are shippers going to roll some orders out or cancel some orders? Or is the railway going to cancel orders? It's going to be interesting to see because there is no way that CP is going to come even close to spotting 9,000 cars in week 17. So not a good week. And uh, the same story played out, you know, in the provinces and across individual quarters and across individual shippers. So it was just a bad week all around for CP. Yeah, it's a really, we'll we'll get into that provincial performance, but it's really an an example of how, I mean, you've talked about it a few times on many podcasts, but, you know, once, once the snowball starts rolling, gets bigger and bigger, it's tough to get out from behind that 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 missed demand and um you know it's pent-up demand the sector you know the grain sector wanted to move that grain and and still want to move it but it keeps it keeps building up so it becomes hard to get out in front of it and and i think we'll probably touch on this a bit later but you know your winter situation right there in, in, in alberta is going to start to create even more problems to get out from behind that demand let's look at the performances let's start with alberta anything different from from the high level numbers in Alberta that we're seeing? No, Alberta actually, you know, saw the best performance of all three provinces. When you look at the performance for both railways combined, CN, 89%, CP, 98%, two weeks running actually for CP, 98%. Now, all of the demand that comes out of Alberta is pretty much going to the West Coast. So for CP, that's Vancouver. And for CN, that's a combination of Vancouver and Prince Rupert. So it's not, you know, a complicated logistics scenario. It's the shortest distance to Tidewater from Alberta origins. And service generally has been better in Alberta this year from both railways than it has been anywhere else. And week 16 was kind of a continuation of that. And if you look at Manitoba and Saskatchewan, you know, CN, very much like they did on the top line, good, consistent for the most part in Manitoba and in Saskatchewan. A little bit of inconsistency in Manitoba for CN at a corridor level. Uh, They weren't particularly good to Vancouver. You don't tend to see a tremendous amount of traffic from Manitoba go to Vancouver, but, you know, they came in below 80%, uh, but they more than made up for it going to Thunder Bay, 98%. and, And of course, Manitoba 
Thunder Bay is always the most important corridor. It's where the bit, most volume goes, and uh, you know, just for good reason, shortest distance. So Saskatchewan, Manitoba, uh, good for CN, consistent with what we saw at the top line. CP, unfortunately, not so good. Manitoba has really been a problem for CP, and CP has really been a problem for Manitoba is probably a better way to say it. You know, a week ago in week 15, their order fulfillment percentage was only 50%. They were better this this week in week 16, but they still only got to 64%. Uh, Their Vancouver traffic was poor and their Thunder Bay traffic was, you know, terrible. It's the only word I can come up with. They only filled 39% of the orders for the Thunder Bay corridor from Manitoba origins. And that was really ultimately the driver of the overall number. Saskatchewan, you know, not a a very different story. They were 90% a week ago and and came down to 65% in week 16, even though demand was the same really uh, week over week. And they weren't particularly good uh, anywhere when you look at it at a corridor level. They didn't even get to 70% in any one corridor, I think, other than one where there was, you know, a handful of cars that were ordered, but everything else was, was below 70%. So, you know, often we see performance suffer because, you know, demand is particularly high and performance is particularly low in one or two corridors. But when you look at Saskatchewan for CP uh, this week, and really at a system level, when you think about it, you know, not good performance pretty much across the board, which, you know, sends a different message for me. It suggests that CP is not having problem moving cars over the road, if you will, in a particular corridor. So, you know, it's not about their Vancouver main line or the Thunder Bay main line. They're just failing everywhere, which suggests that, you know, their issues run wide and run deep. Now, exactly what those are, of course, we don't know because we don't have visibility on that stuff. But when you see generalized failure that way, it speaks to broader, you know, perhaps more systemic issues, I think. Yeah, it's a, it's a bit concerning and something maybe we want to dig into uh, on future podcasts, maybe potentially trying to unpack a little bit what's happening there. Thunder Bay, the number particularly for, for Manitoba, 39%. I mean, definitely not very good. And, you know, Thunder Bay should be a fairly, I mean, don't want to say easy, but, you know, it's it's a really important port, especially right now, because it eventually it's going to close. And we've, we've had a pretty, across the grain sector, a pretty strong sales program to to, to the EU right now, whether it's wheat or, or lentils to Turkey. So, you know, it was a bit concerning to see that because, you know, we like to see some pretty high numbers to, through Thunder Bay at this point before that shuts down. So a bit of a concern. Okay, well, let's take a look forward here. We talked about how winter is fast approaching. What does that mean ultimately as we start to look at it, Milt? What usually should we expect winter and its impact to be on the railways? Well, the system will slow down. It's, I mean, and, and railways, if you will, acknowledge that in their grain plans. I mean, beginning in the month of December, both CN and CP reduce their quote unquote committed car capacity. So I think CN and CP both basically go from roughly 6,000, 6,200 cars a week that they commit to supply, quotation marks around the word commit. And that comes down to like 4,500 or something, you know, in 
December, January, February, and into part of March. And, you know, the rationale that the railways use for that is, well, Thunder Bay is closed. So the system's capacity by, uh, by definition has been reduced by the equivalent of X number of cars per week. I don't think it's an argument that particularly is particularly good, but they've used it for a long time and, and they keep getting away with it. But to your point, you know, railroads are mechanical entities and much like your car, when it gets really, really cold and when there's snow, it doesn't work as smoothly, you know, as it does when the weather is mild. That's the same reality with, with railroads. So, you know, the velocity of the system will slow down. So if you're in a fixed capacity scenario, uh, which basically says I have so many cars and so many locomotives and so many crews, and I don't have the flexibility to add any more to those elements to compensate for the system slowing down, then you're going to execute the same level of capacity more slowly. So what that means is that likely order fulfillment performance, at least through the peak shipping season, probably into January and February, is probably going to get worse. You know, I would be surprised if it didn't. I think if we look back on history, uh, pretty much every year the curve looks the same when you get into, you know, end of November, beginning of December, right through till March, performance tends to go down for both CN and CP. It tends to be a generalized decline in, in performance. And I would expect that that's going to happen again. Uh, it's just the reality. And to the extent that the railways are not prepared you know, to add incremental capacity to compensate for that, then that's what you end up with. As far as capacity goes, you mentioned car capacity. Yeah, I mean, it's not always about the more resources you can throw at it, but but what is the situation with, with car capacity right now on CN and CP? Is it is it fixed? Well, it, it's fixed from the perspective of, you know, their fleets are X number of cars large, and they stated that in their green plans. I'm going to say they're around 11,000, 10,000 cars each. We don't have any visibility per se, ATC, on the railway's fleets, but the grain monitor that does public reporting uh, on behalf of the federal government does get information from the railways pertaining to their status of their hopper car fleets. And they just released their, the GMP just released their monthly report for October. And when you look at that, Uh, What it says is that through the month of October, CP's fleet was fully deployed. I think they only had on average about 150 or so cars. So like 1% or 3% of their fleet in storage. So there's, there's no room for CP, at least with the fleet that they currently have, to bring more cars on because they're already all in service. CN a little bit different, according to the Grain Monitor's publication. CN still had on average through the month of October about a thousand cars in storage, which really is kind of interesting and, and begs a different question because we know that while CN's performance has been fairly consistent in that, you know, 80 to low 90s kind of range, we also know that they're not keeping up with demand, you know, they're carrying three, four, five hundred orders out each week into the next week. They're rationing orders pretty much every week, eight of the last nine to be exact. 
in order to manage the demand level that they're committing to serve. Uh, and they're doing all of this with a thousand cars in storage. So if you're not delivering at the level that the industry requires you to, and you have additional capacity, car capacity, because that's only one element of capacity available, and you choose not to draw on it, you know, logically one wonders why. The most logical or likely answer is that bringing on more cars is not going to do anything for CN because they may not have the capacity with respect to locomotives and more specifically train crews to run the additional trains that would be available to run if they had another thousand or so cars, you know, in the grain system operating. So the decision to leave a thousand cars in storage uh, is probably strategic and conscious for, you know, a reason similar to that. If we bring them on, they're not going to help us because we may not be able to spot them or move them anyway. So let's just manage demand to the level of the capacity that we've chosen to operationalize and we can leave those cars in storage. At least that's that's how I see it right now. Now we'll see in November if that equation changes, but you know, we won't know that probably for another five weeks. Well, it's definitely a reflection of what we've seen for a long time, right? Which is just managing managing the capacity. It doesn't really matter what the demand is. And ultimately that that shows up in order fulfillment numbers, but you know, it's sort of the, the same issue where the service industry expects isn't necessarily what the service provider is focused on. So it'll be interesting over the next uh, few weeks, uh, especially as we start to see the effect of this uh, of winter. So, all right, Mel, well, we'll pick this up again next week for week 17 and certainly look forward to seeing what's going to happen as we move through December. For those who'd like to see the report, you can go to www.agtransportcoalition.com and we will see you all next week. Bye.